Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nicole. Hello, Shelly. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I went away for the weekend. I went to Provincetown with a friend. How was it? It was great. Nice. (laughs) town. It's just uh, like a fun place to go where everyone's really welcome. And nice. We saw a drag show for brunch, which Mm -hmm. was really a lot of fun. So it was Mm -hmm. good. How was the weather there? Oh, it was so hot here. Was it awful there? No, it was cooler there because I know it was like 90 in our area on Saturday, but it was 70 there. And then Sunday, it was like 80 there. And it was like 95. Oh, so fun. So this week, we are talking with Josephine Altrui, and she is a mom of seven. Wow. Including three sets of twins. Wow. Yep. And you would think, you know, raising all those kids, you'd probably be going a little insane, but yes, I would she's be. also an expert in mindfulness and meditation. Wow. So, so cool. she's, she's rocking it. And she's going to talk to us about like how to stay connected to your kids, how to be present and um, how to fit mindfulness into your day when you're like a really busy mom. Nice. Good. Which I really need to learn how to do. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we all feel that way often. Mm -hmm. But let's start with our favorite of the week. All righty. So for my favorite this week, I am going to talk about Truly Beauty. Have you seen them on like Facebook or Instagram? No. Okay. You know how I am a sucker for those stupid Facebook ads when I'm like overtired and and scrolling through. So I keep seeing, I kept seeing their ad pop up and pop up and I just love body scrubs and body butters and everything. Yeah. So I went and bought like three of their lines. They're all like vegan and cruelty-free and natural ingredients, whatever. So I bought three of their sets and one of them I'm not a huge fan of because it's kind of greasy and it's hard to like, rub into your skin, but the other two, I bought their Dolce de Leche line and their cake. I think it's called cake batter or cake maker, cake maker line. Nice. And they are like so nice. My skin feels like so smooth. (laughs) The scent lasts all day, but it's not overpowering because you know how sensitive I am to nice i love good stuff that's not overpowering Mm -hmm. and i'm always looking for something that i don't know about that could be great so i'm gonna look that up yeah so it comes with like a body scrub for in the shower and then a body serum after and then body butter after and even john's like oh my gosh you smell so good your skin is so soft so that's my favorite of the week and i'll put the link to that in the show notes yeah please do And what's yours? Well, this is kind of corny, but I like it. I went to get a bottle of wine. When I walked in the liquor store, they had a display of Sutter Home Wines, which I don't even know that I've ever drank Sutter Home Wine. Maybe I have. A lemonade white wine for the summer. What? Uh Uh-huh. And I'm a big-time lemonade fan, and it's lemonade slightly sweet, light wine. Well, you can't say that it's light wine. It's just light tasting to me. Mm -hmm. It is delicious. So there's your new favorite summer drink. I don't know if it's because I don't like lemonade, but that sounds so gross to me. Oh, I love (laughs) lemonade. No, I hate lemonade. Lemonade is always too sweet 
I don't, I'm not like a I sweet know, person. You don't like sweet stuff. You don't like sweet drinks. I know yeah, that. I'm a salty person. Yep. I know. Give me the margarita with the salt well, then, along the all way. All right. I'll take all the wine then. I'll take all the lemonade <laughs> You wine. can keep it all. I'll just bring the tequila <laughs> for the margarita. Perfect. We'll just do it that way. It you sounds cool like though. Like I've never oh. heard of lemonade wine. So it sounds cool. Yep. It's so good. So nice and ice cold. Oh my goodness. Yep. I could get used to that on a hot summer night. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's it. Well, don't let it go down too easy. (laughs) I mean, I don't drink that much anyway, but yeah. So good. So for those lemonade fans, give it a, give it a whirl. Mm -hmm. Next up, we will do our question of the week. All right. Okay, so this week's question is, again, submitted through Instagram, and the question is, what are your feelings on pacifiers while breastfeeding? Do you have any thoughts, pacifiers while breastfeeding? I actually support pacifier use, but I don't think they should be used before breastfeeding is very well established, Mm -hmm. I would say, for the first three, four, maybe five weeks. Yeah. I just think that people will tend to overuse them. And often misfeeding cues, I think that, you know, it becomes that they're not, sometimes parents aren't sure on how, you know, when to take the pacifier out of the baby's mouth and pay attention, you know, otherwise, but mm-hmm. I'm a fan of pacifiers, but not quite for the first month. Yeah. Yep. And in the breastfeeding guidelines say to hold off on pacifiers for the first month because it can be confusing to them. Right. Um, it can lead to slow weight gain if the pacifier, like you said, is used too much. I do feel like there's ideal breastfeeding, right? And then there's real world breastfeeding. Right. And I do feel like some babies are very like oral yeah. oriented and they need to suckle all the time. Yeah. So in instances where if your baby's under a month old and you're in the car driving and your baby's like screaming in the backseat, I would pop a passy in that until you get home, then take the pacifier out and attend to their needs. Or if you're in line at Starbucks and your baby's starting to fuss or you're in line at Target and your baby's starting to fuss and you can't, you know, feed them right then and there or change their diaper or whatever it is that they need until you get out of the checkout line. That would be like an okay time to use pacifier. You just don't want the baby to hang out with a pacifier in their mouth for hours a day. That's right. Agreed. And and that is from like the breastfeeding perspective. You know, pacifiers are funny because depending on which profession you ask, you know, pediatricians want you to use a pacifier because it reduces SIDS. You ask a dentist, they hate pacifiers and they swear don't use them at all. So it just really depends on what your goals are. Um, Same families don't want to use pacifiers at all ever. And some families are very into pacifiers. So it just depends. Right. And that was a really good question. And if you have a question that you want us to answer, you can submit it to us on Instagram at Shelly Taft IBCLC. Sounds good. And next up, we'll be speaking with Josephine. All righty. This week, we are speaking with Josephine Atlery. She is an expert in meditation and mindfulness, host of the podcast, Responding to Life, Talking Health, Fertility, and Parenthood, and author of Mindfulness Journal for Parents and Five-Minute Mindfulness for Pregnancy. Welcome, Josephine. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. I think this is such an important topic. I always talk a lot about when working with families, like in order to have a calm and regulated baby you need to be a calm and regulated caregiver parent. And I find that in our society, at least we are kind of, we can be lacking in tools to be calm and regulated and mindful. So it's people like you that are out there that are helping families with this. And it's such important work. Yeah, no, that is a great point that you bring up because um, they definitely feed off our energy and Mm -hmm. they are constantly watching us for cues for themselves. Oh, mimics. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fair. Exactly. <laughs> I saw this video once of this mom crying and she's like, I just realized that if I want my son to be a kind and good person, I have to be a kind and good person. <laughs> exactly. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? So I am a mindfulness and meditation coach and an author of those two books. I have seven kids of my own that came through a very alternative path to parenthood. We pursued international adoption for our first son, and then I carried a set of 
boy girl twins for myself. And then we had to pursue surrogacy in order to add on the last two sets of twins that we have. So we have a set of boy twins and a set of girl twins. And that's how we came to seven. And that's really what fuels my passion to incorporate and share strategies for mindfulness to people who are aspiring parents all the way from the very beginning and into their path as they try to conceive. And then once they become pregnant and then into parenthood and, you know, it all feeds off of each other. If I'm able to help you out from the beginning, it's all the better for you as you transition into parenthood, because you can take those same tools with you as you navigate those challenges in that season of life. And you know, that's how I came to doing this work is because, you know, when I first had my first three children, I didn't have these tools. I didn't have any way to manage my stress. I didn't have anything to really use as my form of self-care. And once we started the surrogacy process and had the um, second set of twins, I went from three to five kids and I was in a constant swirl of chaos and I needed something. I knew I needed something and I found mindfulness. And after that, I just had to share it with the rest of the world. And here we are today. I love that. What exactly is mindfulness? Because I feel like sometimes it's thrown around as this very generic, all-encompassing term. And when people think about like mindfulness, they think about bubble baths and candles. And I always feel like it's a little bit more than that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Another thing that people think about is that mindfulness just means meditation, which isn't actually the case. And so if you want to think of mindfulness, think of basically about awareness. So it's an awareness of yourself. So how you're feeling in your body, in your mind, your emotions, and then being aware of your environment and what's surrounding you. And then taking it a step further into an awareness of the people in your life that you're interacting with, how you are interacting with them and how they are coming to you in terms of their emotions and their mental well-being. So it really, you know, being able to practice mindfulness, it really translates into everything else that we do in life. So you're able to use that awareness to be present, but it helps you to respond to life in a more meaningful and from a place of more clarity than always just reacting. Mm, right. Because we know from from studies and research that's been done that you know, the first few years and from even during pregnancy, how you respond to stress and how you respond to stressful situations, that's something that you can pass on to your children. And often we have like generational stress and trauma that's just passed down because we never learned any coping skills for dealing with stress and chaos in our lives. And so, like you said, we just kind of react to the situation. And then that's what we unintentionally teach our children to do. Can you talk a little bit more about that and like how important it is to not only we have mindfulness for yourself, but for your kids? Yeah. Well, you're totally right in that we take on all of this, this stress. But another piece of that is that we need to unlearn a lot of the stuff that we've taken mm -hmm. on from generations that we may not even be aware of, right? So the beauty of then tuning into your present moment and being aware of yourself and what's happening in your life, it starts to just spiral into other things and becomes sort of then leads to the next thing. And you're able to now be aware of all of these things that may, you may have had in the back of your mind that may be um, affecting all of your interactions, all of your choices that you didn't realize. And so it's important for our kids because as we were talking about before, they pick up on everything that we're doing, whether we know it or, or realize it or not. They're listening to our words. They're watching our actions. They are basically our, our little mini-me's. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, and then they can also feed off of our energy, much like we can do as adults with other people. And so one of the benefits of mindfulness is being able to tap into this inner calm that we all have. It's all within our, within our reach. And when you're able to come from a place of calm, then you achieve this clarity, right? And you're able to interact with your children in a more present and connected way. And you're communicating consciously and you're relating to them with being aware of what they're feeling. And so it really comes down to first just touching um, upon yourself and touching upon 
um, your own interactions with your thoughts and your emotions and how you interact with other people. And from there, then you are able to bring it into, um, into your children mm-hmm. and have them and working with them, sort of modeling behavior, modeling words, and even doing specific exercises with them. You know, with my littles, I'll do something as simple as a breathing exercise because they can understand that. Whereas with my teenagers, I'm able to actually ask them to sit with me in a meditation or tell me when they need something, a mindfulness strategy like that. But it can be tailored to any age group and they can all benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. And I know I love what you said about doing like breathing exercises with your little ones because that is something that I did with my kids when they were little. If they were upset and crying, I would, you know, sit down eye level with them and just be like, let's take some deep breaths. I don't know why you're upset because I can't understand what you're saying because you're crying so hard. So let's calm that down first. And I was surprised even at a very young age that they understood to like take that deep breath. And even now, like my youngest is about to turn 12. And when he gets upset, sometimes I'll just see him stop and like take some deep breaths. And I think sometimes as parents, we get so caught up in like the bigger picture that we forget that it's the smaller details that really are our kids can find more helpful for learning about how to deal with life situation, life conflict, life stress. Yes. No, I I love that. I love that your 12-year-old is able to do that for themselves. And it is. I always talk about taking, like the first step is taking a pause. And that breath is acts as that pause because it allows you to almost stop the swirl of chaos that's happening around you that you may not even, when you're little, may not be able to verbalize. And when you're older, may not even be able to verbalize it as well, just because it's just happening so fast. And you're not really clear on what that trigger was or why all of a sudden you're feeling a certain way. And a lot of it may be deeply rooted, but you don't know because it's just all hitting you so fast. But if you can hit the pause button and the pause button being just taking a few deep breaths to move yourself into a calmer state, move yourself out of that triggered fight or flight state, then you're really operating from um, a much clearer place. And that's when you're able to really take into account everything that's happening And then if you need to, you know, pivot, pivot in your situation, whether that's physically, that's mentally, in order to rectify whatever situation you may be in. And then once you have applied any necessary like steps and strategies and tools, then you can apply presence and be in fully in that moment. Whereas before you were just scattered and all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that there's so much science actually like backing it up. Like meditation, yes, and breathing, yes, but just mindfulness in general. I happen to love breathing. I hate meditation. I'm sorry to say. That's okay. I tried it for so long because I really, really wanted to like it and I really, really wanted it to work for me, but I I just can't. It's just, I feel stupid doing it. I don't like it, but I found what works really well for me is breathing exercises. Okay. Um, And then I also found out through my research about like, how that can calm, you know, the polyvagal theory. So it calms the, the vagus nerve and it actually helps physically bring your body down out of fight or flight. And what I love about parents being able to do that is, you know, when baby gets stuck in fight or flight, they are co-regulators. So they can't bring themselves down. They need help to bring themselves down like little babies. And if you have those tools and you've been practicing them, that's when you can like really bring them, even for your baby who can't like really talk to you yet, doesn't know their only communication is crying. Just by having those tools in your pocket, you are helping your baby, even if you can't actually explain to them, like, we're going to do some deep breathing. Just you doing it and calming yourself down will help them calm down. And it's Mm -hmm. such a cool dynamic and relationship that I love. But sometimes, you know, if you don't have those tools, again, it it can go a little bit awry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I've seen it in action when I will do some deep breathing with my babies Mm -hmm. as I'm like rocking them and they're fussy or they're crying. Well, they can feel the change in my breath and they can feel that movement and they, it's, it's very soothing for them Mm -hmm. and they can feel that energy and they're able to then eventually calm themselves down as well, but we're doing it together and it, it helps, it helps the parent to be able to realistically withstand that, you know, that stress and that pressure of trying to figure out how to care for their baby. They don't understand what to do. So if you're able to, to be able to help yourself in that way, you're able to help your baby in the long run for sure. 
How does mindfulness benefit parents who are pregnant in terms of like, are there benefits for the baby, even if the baby hasn't arrived yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we touched upon it already in terms of managing like fear and stress and anxiety and how that affects your body. You know, when you're in a constant state of stress, it impacts whether you realize it or not. It impacts various um, systems in your body, such as your immune system, your digestive system, um, your reproductive system. And so when you're in constant state of stress, all of those sort of go to the back burner because your body is trying to prioritize your living, right? And so you'll notice other physical things, but those systems shutting off or not being prioritized, you, you can't tell. And so when you're able to use um, calming strategies like mindfulness, you're really helping the baby as well, because if your body is able to resume all of those functions and it's able to um, thrive, well, then your baby is also able to thrive in there as well. And then, you know, you're able to bring yourself, you know, a lot of times hormonal shifts will create a wide roller coaster of emotions, you know, and so it is another strategy that you can use, like you were saying, meditation didn't work for you, but mindful, you know, breathing does. There are so many different modalities for mindfulness, like uh, as well as visualization and journaling and mindful movements and all of those things. All of those different modalities can bring you into a greater state of presence. It can shift you from negativity to positivity. It can help you cultivate feelings of gratitude and joy. And all of these are things that may counteract all of these shifts in hormones and all these things that you're feeling that may be really overwhelming, especially if it's for your first pregnancy. You're not expecting all of these things to happen, which is also creates a lot of stress and anxiety because you don't know how to deal with it. So all of that that you're feeling in your body to answer your question trickles down to your child, right? Because if you're able to create this healthy environment for yourself within your body, it's also affecting your baby in that mm -hmm. regard. Right, right. So we know now that if you are parents who go through particularly stressful or if they experience trauma during pregnancy, you do end up kind of sharing your stress hormones with the baby through the umbilical cord and placenta. And sometimes, you know, there's some research out there that shows that some babies who mothers experience or birthing parents experience stress during pregnancy, they tend to be fussier and more colicky after birth. And the theory behind that is, is they're kind of just trying to let all that cortisol out that they received during pregnancy. I don't know, like I haven't had time to dive into that research to see how legit it is, but I do know that my third pregnancy was extremely, extremely stressful. It was right after I had experienced the pregnancy loss. He was my rainbow baby. I also happened to be going through a separation and divorce at that time. And so I'm sure that I was like stressed to the max. And when he was born, he screamed like from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. every night for three months. And they never were able to figure out why. And I kind of wonder if that's what was happening. Like, did he just need to like get work that stress out, all those stressful hormones that he received during pregnancy? Not that it's any reason to like give mom's guilt or anything, mm -hmm. but just having that knowledge, I think everyone has stress during pregnancy. It's, I mean, especially during a global pandemic and everything, but just like knowing, okay, I've had a really stressful pregnancy. What can I do to keep my cortisol levels down to be more present in the moment so that it doesn't, the impact on my baby is minimum. Do you like, have you read that too? Is that something that you? A lot of studies that I think I included some, uh, touched upon a few things that are in the references in my book, but yeah, I've seen those studies about how it can definitely affect the baby. Um, especially when you see women who have experienced trauma during pregnancy or things like addiction or anything like that. How do you suggest that parents get started with mindfulness? Because if you're stressed and overwhelmed, even doing something like a five minute meditation might feel a little overwhelming and mm -hmm. like not an option at that point. And I work with a lot of families who are like really stressed out. You know, nobody calls me because things are going well. It's <laughs> not my type of job, but you know, so sometimes I can see that parents are in, stuck in their own fight or flight and we work a lot on like being calm and regulated. Do you suggest that parents start if, if you like, if someone's listening to this, that is on the path of trying to conceive or something, would that be a good time to start? 
would it be like after baby arrives? When do you think is a good time to start trying to incorporate mindfulness into your life? Yeah. Now, if you're able to start incorporating little snippets and by little snippets, I mean like a minute or two while you're trying to conceive, that is to your benefit. You know, I have a dear friend, her name is um, Dr. Amy. She's called the Egg Whisperer. And one of, um, she's a really well-known fertility doctor and she incorporates mindfulness meditation as part of her suggestions to her patients because oh, wow. she, she has seen that, you know, it's helpful for the woman who's trying to conceive to be able to have an outlet for that stress and to be able to be in a calmer state when she's going through, when she's going through those process, you know, all the different treatments. Even if you're not doing any sort of assisted reproductive therapy, if you're just trying to conceive naturally, it's still a great time to be able to fit in a minute here and then gradually build it up. And by minute, it can be something that you like, like a breathing technique, or it can be a meditation if that's guided by an app so that you don't feel like you're floundering. Or it can be something where you, you know, you journal um, or close your eyes and do a visualization. And by visualization, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You can just be remembering a beautiful place that you love and just mm. picturing it in your mind. And that can boost your mood instantly, right? You don't necessarily have to go there. But thinking about these things um, can bring you joy and shift you out of whatever state you may be in. So the beauty of that is if you're able to do it while you're trying to conceive and then once you're pregnant, it becomes something that is a little bit more uh, habitual for you. It's a practice that isn't completely foreign once you become a parent. And once you're thrown into parenthood, it becomes really hard to return back to or reincorporate things that you were doing before in your life prior to the child. And so it's really hard to incorporate something new when you're a parent. But if you were doing it before, then it's a little bit easier for you to figure out a way to sort of tweak it in this new life that you have, where it can still provide you with some benefit, but maybe doesn't look the same way, but is still achieving the same thing. Yeah. And I think that makes sense because even if you're taking like a childbirth class and you're going over like breathing exercises for birth, they always say like practice these during your pregnancy because it has to be kind of ingrained in your body. Your body has to be familiar with it or else it's going to be like a lot harder. So it's more about like creating it as like a habit, would you mm -hmm. think? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's hard to it's hard to just pick something up, right? In the midst of something like labor or in the midst mm -hmm. of caring for a newborn. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of like that with everything. Like I always say, you know, if you're, you're planning on breastfeeding, connect with the lactation consultant before the baby arrives, that you already have like an established relationship with someone. You already know who to call, things like that. Just mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you are someone who I imagine is very busy <laughs> with all the kids and stuff. How do you, like, if you give an example of what an average day looks like for you and when you squeeze in those moments of mindfulness and how you do it, just so people can get an idea of what it might look like. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is a great question. I love that. So uh, the morning starts whenever the babies wake up and that's usually like 6 a.m. And I tried, you know, before, so speaking to this um, subject that we were just talking about, before the babies arrived, even with just the five kids, I had it pretty set where I would meditate in the morning and then I would meditate at night and it would be like 20, 30 minutes in the morning and then the same at night and it's like bookends of your day. But the moment that the babies arrived, well, we had a new schedule that we needed to follow and trying to fit that in beforehand was for me felt impossible because I didn't necessarily know when they would wake up. So I had to, I had to pivot a little bit in the way I um, squeezed in my mindful moments and my moments of self-care. So I would currently, I'll just get everyone ready for school. And that's usually means by the time it's like eight ish, I'm ready to begin like my portion of the day. Like my babysitter will come in and I work from home since I write and do my podcast and all this stuff. So, you know, after I drop off the kiddos, I'll sit in my car and that's when I'll do uh, meditation because I know that if I do it when I go home, I'll be dragged into all these different things. Like my babies are still home, even though they're with the babysitter, a ton of distractions. I tried to do it where I'd come back home and do it. It just didn't work. So you need to find what works for you is really what I'm saying there. And you need to be flexible and willing to adjust and not try to like try and make it look like it used to. 
So for now, I'm doing my meditations in my car right after the kindergarten drop off. And then throughout the day, like if I'm putting a baby to sleep, um, one of them loves to be rocked. So we rock her. And as I'm doing that, I have a chance to connect with her. So I will look at her, but I'll also utilize like a deep exhale. I love doing deep exhales. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as I'm um, breathing, it's kind of sometimes makes a shushing noise, but it's also my chance to just um, feel her against my body and then have her feel that I'm like calming down and that we're settling to sleep and I'm trying to create that mood for her. So that is another opportunity for me to just let everything go, like leave the phone to the side and just be and be present in that moment, enjoy that time with her. Um, so I'll have a couple of those because they still take two naps. And then then when I see like, for example, my kindergartners, when they're, you know, they come home and they're really excited about something that happened at school that's a mindful moment for me because I will sit there and I'll listen with, to their excitement and to their joy of expressing what happened, whatever it was that happened at school. And that's a moment where I get to be present and like really not be distracted by like multitasking and doing several things where I don't really get to witness their joy, right? And that's mm -hmm. a gratitude for me at the end of the day always. And then at the end of the night, when I'm putting you know, when I'm putting the kiddos to sleep, the kindergartners to sleep, that's another chance for me to uh, sometimes I'll, you know, I'll usually sit there for a few minutes. But that's my chance to, again, do like a quick meditation. And the boys know that I'm doing that um, because, you know, they always see me meditating. So they grew up with that. So that's mm -hmm. like they know that mom is meditating while she's sitting there with them as they fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And then with my older kids to like wrap up the day, I'll ask them, you know, what are they um what were they grateful for today? And with the, actually with the little six-year-olds, like how did they help someone today? So it's a way for us to do a verbal journaling exercise to really reflect on, you know, what we were happy about today, how we were able to help others. And that's something I hope that they take with them, which is why I try to do that with them every night. Because if I just ask them to do it on their own, who knows if they'll do it. But right. here we're able to have a dialogue and a conversation and it's a great mm -hmm. way to sort of wrap up the day. Oh, I love that. And when I haven't done this, just have, having you um, talk about how you incorporate it in daily reminds me that when my kids are older now, so they don't, I don't tuck them in at night anymore. But when I did, I used to always say, okay, what was your favorite part of the day? And it was always fun because I would try to guess based on how I knew their day went, what their favorite part was. And I would say 90% of the time that was their favorite part. So it was kind of like also an opportunity for me to see like, to, to not make assumptions about how they felt about their day and to actually hear like, oh, like, no, I thought he was bored when we went to this place. But now he's saying that that was his favorite part of the day. And I was guessing this, but so man, I don't know, maybe I should start doing it. I'm totally taking your ideas for the older kids too, like <laughs> something that you're grateful for. Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't get to sit around the table because everyone's doing something different, mm. various activities. So this is when I can catch them, when I have yeah. to tell them, okay, give me your phone and like, it's time to go to sleep. But before that, let's, you know, let's go over like, what are you grateful mm. for today? Or what happened that um, wasn't so great? You know, it doesn't always have to be good stuff. Um, I just want them to have that opportunity to to share. Um, mm. And that's all of us being sort of aware of what happened in that day and incorporating self-reflection and gratitude and all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. And I love what you were saying about um, rocking and shushing your little one to sleep and having that exhale almost sound like a shush because a lot of times when I'm working with new parents and they shush the baby, it's like, shh, 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 shh. And you can see them getting just more tense and then the baby's getting more tense. And I'm always like, okay, let's try this. Like, shh. And they're like, oh, that sounds better. And I'm like, yeah. Because <laughs> no one's going to relax. Shh, 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 shh. <laughs> but That's no one, you know, no one ever pointed that out to them or no one ever had that discussion with them of what like actually calm breathing is. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Or when you're like frantically rocking the baby. Like, yeah. Just, you know, like, <laughs> I get the baby like movement, but you know, there's mm -hmm. another way of like doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I love the extended exhale because it's my way of 
and how I guide people to just let go of things. Any tension that you feel, imagine that it's coming out with that breath. Anything Mm -hmm. that you don't want to hold on to anymore, imagine that you're blowing it out of your body, out of your system. Um, And at the same time, it's great because you're shushing the baby. The baby loves the sound. Mm -hmm. One question I have for you is, Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of the families that I'm working with are in a state of stress and chaos, and oftentimes they are having intrusive thoughts that, you know, whatever issues they're having is their fault, or they are not a good parent because they can't figure out this feeding thing or this sleep thing or whatever. Do you think mindfulness helps with intrusive thoughts and how, how does that work? What does that look like? I love all your questions. This is great. <laughs> um, yes, it totally helps with intrusive thoughts. And uh, one example of that would be something like an affirmation. And so something as simple as like, I am worthy. I am doing a great job to address some of the points that you were talking about. I am a good parent. You know, I'm doing the best that I can. And so that I am, and then whatever it is that you're trying to embody, that you want to um, aspire to, maybe you don't even believe it in the moment as you're saying it, that's okay. You're just saying it. The more your mind hears that, it gives your mind something else to hold on to because we all have that inner critic in the back of our mind that's putting us down, that's constantly criticizing everything that we're doing, and that will always be there. Uh, What we're trying to do, though, is trying to boost up that personal cheerleader that we have, that voice that can speak wonderfully to us, that can remind us of how great we are and that we're trying our best and that we're doing a good job. So if you can give your mind something else to listen to, then it can feed off of something else. Because if all you're feeding is all that negativity, well, then, I mean, that's what it has. But if you try and have that other voice, then the voice can challenge that inner critic and it can also give you something else to hold on to. And, you know, I have used this with my own kids, with their self-confidence. I've used it with myself when I was going through an eating disorder. I used it when I was going through all the tough stuff with infertility and with my pregnancy loss. There is a lot of dialogue that can happen in your mind. It doesn't mean you're, you know, you're nuts or anything like that. That is what is happening within you. And that's your way of just guiding yourself towards a path that you want to go towards, like that you're trying to choose. And by saying these positive things to yourself, again, whether or not you believe it in the moment as of yet, it's still a new narrative that you can hear. And Mm. and that's always going to be helpful. Um, I always bring up that point of not believing in it because that's important. People think, well, I have to say things that are true. But what if I don't believe that to be true? Well, you know, when I was going through, you know, for example, that eating disorder, I didn't believe any of those things that I was telling myself. It was hard to say those things. And it was even harder to look in the mirror. Like I would put post-it notes of different affirmations that I was trying to believe and to hold on to. And I'd have to look at myself and say those things. Um, And it was tough. It's really tough when you feel... When you're down about yourself, about your parenting skills, or you're feeling, you know, unworthy, or not feeling as good as the next parent, you're, you know, think you're doing it all wrong. But, you know, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you have those daily reminders over time, it takes time, everything takes time, it can start to boost you up and you can start to believe it, but you'll see it happen. Like the next time your mind starts to go towards that negativity, that inner voice, maybe automatically it'll say, well, who says, or that, that doesn't have to be the case. And then all of a sudden your mind will just say like one of the positive affirmations, one of the other stories that you can tell yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and it's amazing when that happens. So it kind of, it sounds like a little bit like brain plasticity, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So neurons that wire together or neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the brain is so amazing. I'm it such is. like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> but I love that you like, where do you think, I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place and I apologize. Where do you think these intrusive thoughts come from or start to form? Do you think it's just like messages we're getting from society? I think it's worse in the age of social media because it's oh, very yeah. easy to start to like compare yourself to the perfect looking parents in their perfect white rooms with their white carpet that just mm-hmm. look so put together. Yeah. Um, And are, you know, making organic lunches for their kids. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, I think it's a a whole host of things. Mm -hmm. It comes from your upbringing and how you were like spoken to, what was expected of you. And you pick up all these expectations, right? 
um, from your family, your friends, the outside world. And then now and then you also have, and then you start to take them on as your own. And then you also have all of these like images and all this content that you see in the world, whether it's through social media, whether it's the news or even a periodical that you pick up. And you start to see what these expected lives are supposed to be like, these images and these models of what it's supposed to be like. And you compare that to what you are actually experiencing. And it's there's a complete rift in that. And so it leads you to low self-esteem. It leads you to question, like, what am I doing? What choices um, am I making? Why am I doing this wrong? Why is this not looking like what I expected it to look like, what society is telling me it should look like? And then it just starts to spiral. And then you have that voice in your head that's constantly comparing to the things that it had before to hold on to, the things that it thought life should be like. And that is when I feel like it starts to have that inner critic, really, that voice really start to become louder because you're just, you're just getting pulled into all this feeling of lack and feeling of like comparison. And it can be so detrimental to your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm definitely known among family and friends for falling into the comparison trap and being like too hard on myself or having too high expectations and whatnot. I do, and this is kind of like a silly question too, because what I have been doing since I was a little kid is I will tell, I'll say shut up when I have one of those thoughts, but I actually like say it out loud and I don't know if that's an effective thing, but it's just something that I do. And it's to the point where if like the other day I was driving with my daughter in the car and I had one of those thoughts, like you're not whatever. And I said, shut up. And then I was like, oh, I wasn't talking to you. And she's like, mom, I know you do this all the time. We hear you say <laughs> shut up to yourself. And I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm like, I hope you don't think I'm weird. She's like, we know exactly what you're doing. It's okay. She's like, you're shut it. You're trying to shut up the negative voices. It's okay. We get it. I'm like, okay. I love that. No, and I love that you do that one. And I love that your kids know exactly what you're doing because mm. they're seeing you do using some sort of strategy, some coping mechanism that works for you, right? And hopefully that will inform them that it's okay to do whatever it takes in order to manage whatever feelings that they may have, whatever overwhelming feelings they have, negative feelings, that mom does it. And she mm-hmm. found a way that works for her. And it's totally cool. Like she's able to, to work with it. And so I love that, that you do that. I won't do it out loud, but I'll just do <laughs> yeah. Mine is more of like, the who says like, who made you like, there's this one Sarah Borella song I love, like uh, King of Anything is the name mm-hmm. of it. And it, I think the song is like where she's speaking to, I don't know if she's speaking to society, whoever it is she's speaking to, but I use it to be like speaking to that inner critic, like who gave you so much power over me? You mm-hmm. shouldn't have all this power over me. I decide. I decide what I want to hear and what I want to believe. And so you can just shut up. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of one of my favorite movies when I was growing up was The Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. With David Bowie. <laughs> the Labyrinth. Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's actually my Halloween costume this year. So I'm going to dress oh, up as a couple. Oh, but yeah. I love the ending because that line that she says to like break free of his spell, she says, you have no power over me. Mm-hmm. And that pops into my head sometimes too. Like yeah. you have no power over me. You don't get to dictate this. Um, yes. Yeah. Or try exactly. to like dictate how I how I am in life and how others view me. Yeah. And it's a great one to take in any season of life, right? Whether you're struggling to be a new parent and dealing with all the issues with um, a newborn mm-hmm. or when you're trying to conceive. And it, it just applies to everything. Mm-hmm. I feel like things would go a lot smoother for expecting in new families, if we were willing to talk about this more, like I thought growing up that I was the only one who had these like negative thoughts, that negative voice in my head. And it wasn't until I got older and started talking to other people that I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty common, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things, especially when it comes, I feel like when it comes to womanhood that I wasn't made aware of. And all of a sudden I just had to kind of learn on the fly Mm -hmm. (laughs) and no one talked about it, but you didn't know to ask the question because you didn't know about it. So, right. but when you do ask the question or when you find out about it and people are willing to, I mean, there are sources out there and people are willing to talk about their experiences. They just don't want to openly like bring them up in, mm. in conversation. But yeah. Right. 
Maybe I just overshare everything. So I have no problem. Right? <laughs> <laughs> One thing you mentioned, so you talked about like ways to incorporate mindfulness. Um, you mentioned meditation, breathing, journaling, and then you mentioned mindful movement. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah. Uh, so in the book, I talk about, you know, I feel like a lot of people have a hard time just sitting still. And I wanted to be really inclusive of different styles and also from different places where people are starting from. And so if movement feels better for you, especially if you're fidgety or anything like that, then I included things like yoga or Tai Chi, um, some sort of stretching where it can still be turned into mindful practice, right? Everything can be turned into mindful practice as long as you're sitting in awareness and slowing things down and really paying attention to what's happening. So when you're doing a stretch, there's one that I included that was like a wide um, child's pose to make room for your belly up to a certain amount, only until you feel comfortable to do it, right? Always ask your doctor first, but where you're in a wide, wild, which is basically like, if you haven't done yoga before, you're like on your knees and then you bend forward and you're sliding your arms forward as much as you can. And it really helps to open up your back and um, also stretch out your hips. I mean, it's just great for the, for the body, whether or not you're pregnant. But something like that is a mindful practice. If you're able to pair it with some breathing, if you're able to also witness how your body is feeling in that moment every time you like stretch a little bit further, or if you move like your legs in a certain way, it becomes this opportunity for you to practice your awareness. And so that I tried to incorporate a lot of different mindful movement pieces for people who are worried about sitting still or actually just have like aches and pains from pregnancy and right. want to, you know, alleviate those um, pains in, in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can melt. I read this study. I think it came out of Harvard, but I'm not sure where if you stand up straight and hold your hands above your head for three minutes, your level of confidence increases Oh, I for like a certain number one. of like, I think it was like for like the next 12 hours. Really? Yeah, yeah, I was actually I was actually getting ready to take my tests to get certified as a lactation consultant and I went to the bathroom before they let us in the room and there was a woman in the bathroom standing like this and I was kind of like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "Sorry, I'm just" and she told me about it and I went and googled it and I was like, "Oh, like this is legit." And I thought that oh, was so wow. interesting. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to look that up. That's yeah. really interesting. Our bodies are so cool. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so how would you guide a family who's just starting out, has never really practiced mindfulness at all, feeling overwhelmed? Like what, what is the usual, do you start them out like one minute a day and build up or what's your usual suggestion? Yeah. Start small because the last thing you want to do is try and overreach and then you decide that it's not for you and you just drop it. So if you can start small, pick something in that moment that feels good. So knowing that there are different types of mindfulness, pick something that day that feels good to you that you're willing to try. So if that's writing in your journal or doing an audio journal where it's just a voice recording, or if you want to do a breathing exercise or something that's movement related, whatever it is, just do it for a minute. You don't have to do the five minutes, just do it for a minute. And if you're able to do it always at a certain time of day, like pairing it to something that you already do regularly, Mm -hmm. then that will help you um, just achieve more success in doing it every other day after that. You know, so if you want to do it right before bed, that's a great way to do it, especially if you have problems like sleeping, you get worried about the next day, or you just think you can't stop your mind from racing. That's a great time to incorporate something that's mindful because it slows you down and it helps you tune in and it helps calm your body, especially if you're doing breath work. And then gradually, you know, once you get the hang of that one minute and you're consistently doing it, then whenever you feel ready, build up to two minutes Mm -hmm. and then just go slow from there. Really, what's key is doing it regularly, not the length of time. It's really the quality of it. And if you're able to just make it more consistent. So always think about that, the quality over the quantity, and then just um, trying to pair it so that it becomes regular, because that's how you make habits stick, as we've all heard. So that would be my advice for uh, a new family starting off with, I'm about to have a newborn or already has a newborn, and they're in a swirl of overwhelm. 
one minute feels more realistic and manageable than um, something like five or even 10 or 20 or 30, right? Right. Yeah, it's kind of like playing an instrument. Like they always say, it's better to practice, you know, 10 minutes a day versus an hour and a half once a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you're, but you need to train that the muscle, your brain, mm-hmm. in order to create those neural pathways that yeah. you're, you're building every time you, you practice this mindfulness technique. Mm-hmm. Even just for if you have like a newborn, I always like telling parents just, you know, sit in a chair, hold your newborn, breathe in that newborn smell because they won't smell like that forever. <laughs> you know, soon they'll be smelling like, oh, you smell like a, a boy now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even just doing that just gets the oxytocin going and mm-hmm. gets you calmer. Yeah, absolutely. It all ha- works hand in hand. This was great. Where can, tell us a little bit about your books and where people can find you. I know you, I think I saw on your website, you do one-on-one sessions. Am I? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 I do one-on-one sessions um, primarily with people who are in their, on their path to parenthood, um, especially those are, who have, are undergoing ART. So like right before an IUI or an IVF or an embryo transfer, things like that. But I also do corporate meditations and then just general one-on-ones. Um, but that all of that you can find on my website, which is jatlurie.com, J-A-T-L-U-R-I. And then my books, which is the Mindfulness Journal for Parents and the new one, it's 5-Minute Mindfulness for Pregnancy. You can get those on Amazon. I also have online courses that go with it. So if you need an extra sort of guided hand, they're self-paced. They have videos of me leading you in a meditation or showing you how to do a breathing exercise. So that's always helpful. And you can find that on my website. Um, I have the podcast, Responding to Life. Anywhere you have listened to your podcast, it'll be there. And I talk about health, uh, women's health primarily, fertility and parenthood. And I always sort of try to incorporate mindfulness strategies into those conversations. And last but not least is um, on Instagram. So social media, uh, my handle is Josephine R. Atlery, and I'm always putting daily mindfulness tips for people who are going through um, trying to conceive or pregnant or our parents. Mm-hmm. I love your Instagram. You have one I was scrolling through earlier today. Trying to find it. It said, um, make peace with difficult emotions. Mm-hmm. What does that mean exactly? That one intrigued me. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I like to run away from my emotions personally. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, right. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of that is kind of that inner critic. But also it can be any sort of trauma that you went through, anything that you're finding difficult. It's hard to sit with those emotions. It's hard to face them. And so what I meant with that was, you know, take an opportunity to just sit and see what bubbles up. And then if a dialogue needs to happen in your mind about whatever it is that pops up in your head, then give yourself some grace. Try not to judge an experience, but be there. Don't run away from it. And that is a part of your healing process that allows you to to continue to grow, right? Uh, if we're just constantly leaving it in the back, we're staying stagnant and we're kind of in the same place. We're not able to change. But if we're able to make peace with those difficult emotions through whatever uh, modalities we, that we can, we, we serve ourselves better. We gave ourselves some love and some grace. We took time to nurture and heal ourselves. And so that we could move forward and we could grow and we could change. Love it. Absolutely. 100%. I wish there was applause button. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Um, So I will link to um, your website and your Instagram and your books in the show notes. And thank you again so much for joining me today. I had a lot of fun on this conversation. I think it's so important for parents to know that there are things that you can do in this chaotic life to keep yourself grounded. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun to speak to you and I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaffIBCLC.com, where you can check out our online parenting community, The Baby Bistro. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaffIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.